Hey, I'm Jesse. Let's have a devotion. We're going to continue in Isaiah chapter 28. We're picking up in verse 23. Here's the text. Listen and hear my voice. Pay attention and hear what I say. Does the plowman plow every day to plant seed? Does he continuously break up and cultivate the soil? When he has leveled its surface, does he not then scatter black cumin and sow cumin? He plants wheat and rows and barley in plots with spelt as their border. His God teaches him order. He instructs him. Certainly black cumin is not threshed with a threshing board, and a cartwheel is not rolled over the cumin, but black cumin is beaten out with a stick and cumin with a rod. Bread grain is crushed, but it is not threshed endlessly, though the wheel of the farmer's cart rumbles. His horses do not crush it. This also comes from the Lord of armies. He gives wondrous advice. He gives great wisdom. These chapters of Isaiah can be difficult to stick with because there's so many just proclamations of wrath and proclamations of judgment and proclamations of discipline. And, and you get these glimmers of hope. There's, a, there's always a remnant. There's always hope. There's always a, there's an end to it. And there are even these beautiful moments where it seems like God's going to bring revival, say, to Assyria and Egypt. It won't be until we get to chapter 40 that the optimistic tone really kicks in. And this brief word is one of those glimpses of the coming hopefulness throughout Isaiah. All right. To, to remind them that God doesn't endlessly till the soil. My wife and I have a garden next to our house, and uh, she has learned how to do gardening in a, in a really awesome way. But if we were to go out to those raised beds and continuously dig up what we planted and till the soil and till the soil and till the soil over and over and over and over again, nothing would ever grow. There has to come a point at which the process stops. He's pointing to God at some point, eventually like ceasing in his outpouring of discipline and allowing cultivation and giving wondrous advice, giving great wisdom. It's a reminder to the people of God that the Lord is not just a big giant discipline machine. He is their father. He gives wonderful advice. He gives great counsel. He does love his people. So he's, he also refers to the, the way that, say, cumin is sown and cultivated and the way that wheat and barley are grown in plots. It says that black cumin is beaten out with a stick and cumin with a rod. That's in verse 27. So it's, it's not going to, it's not going to be rolled over by the wheels of a cart. Okay. It's not, you're, you're not going to be just constantly put through the meat grinder of God's discipline forever. It actually serves its purposes and it abates. This distinguishes God, like we've seen before from pagan gods. Right within our within pagan mythologies that you can see kind of reiterated and repackaged in modern day movies, uh, you see that there are these sadistic gods that just want to hurt people. God is not that way at all. God is a loving and good father. He is a disciplinarian, and so he's going to discipline his children. But this is for the purposes of their benefit of their good. When he is a righteous warrior, he pours out his wrath. He wins, and so it abates. It's not sadism on God's part. It's the righteous victory of the just and good God. It's that he does what he set out to do. It's why nations that are described as being wiped out in the scriptures don't exist today. And it's why Israel still exists today, even though they have 
messed up numerous times. They've betrayed God numerous times. They're God's chosen nation. They're God's chosen people. And he's made this covenant with them and it will never go away. God at some point will stop disciplining his people with severity and will begin cultivating them instead with wonderful advice, with great wisdom. He's not going to thresh endlessly. Uh, uh, though the wheel of the farmer's cart rumbles, his horses don't crush it. All right, so he's not going to cultivate this land in such a way that he overcultivates it and ends up killing his own garden. At some point, the purpose is that this stuff would actually grow. This is the nature of a relationship with God. This is an Old Testament text based on God's covenant with the nation of Israel, particularly Judah in the original audience of Isaiah. We are New Testament believers under a new covenant but it's with the same God and the same character and the same heart. Have you kind of viewed God just as your harsh disciplinarian? When you picture God, what do you picture? When you think about the character of God and how he views you, have you considered the immense love that he has for you? Or do you just view him as an angry father? Have you projected onto God the issues that you may have had with your own father? with your own disciplinarian? Have you projected onto God the issues that you might have with government? You know, have you, have you considered that in all of this, in his wrath and in his discipline, that he is good, that he loves you, and you, there, there's more to an experience with God than there is strictly just discipline. As Christians and as Bible nerds, we can be susceptible to this, that the only way that a Bible sermon or a devotion is any good is if it gives you a deep set complex and it makes you feel horrible about yourself. I've even said this from the pulpit, that if a theology book makes you feel really good about your own flesh and your own merit that you can achieve apart from God, it's probably bad theology. But this does not preclude beautiful passages like this about God's wondrous advice and his great wisdom. So be sure that you don't just project onto God the view of the overly harsh disciplinarian. He doesn't over-discipline you. He does not go too far in correcting you. There does come an end to the seasons of pruning from God, and they give way to cultivation because that's the purpose in planting so that something new would grow.